This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The podcast you're about to listen to might be the best conversation we've had in the short history of the Heroes of HP 12 podcast. However, I am recording this at about 10 to midnight uh, the day before this episode is due to go live. Uh, The reason I'm doing so is because for some unknown reason, uh, a gremlin has climbed into the podcast recording machine and despite making podcasts for years and years, uh, my audio sounds absolutely terrible. It's too late to re-record it now. Uh, the guys have gone to bed. So you're, the what, the podcast you're about to listen to uh, sounds pretty terrible on, on my part and it's too late, basically. Really good conversation. It's going to sound a bit choppy in parts, so apologies in advance uh, to your ears. Uh, your ears, I do, I care very much about your ears. Anyway, enough from me. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, we think it's a cracker. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP 12, the Wiccan Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Michael Kenny, joined as usual by Adam Cooper, Dan Clark and Damien Farrar-Hockley. On this week's episode, we discuss the lessons learned during a disappointing, streak-snapping defeat at Charlton, before looking ahead to what we hope anyway will be the perfect bounce back, a home return this weekend against Carlisle United. We kick off with this past Saturday's trip to the Valley where Michael Appleton's home debut as Charlton boss saw our recent hot run of form come to an abrupt end. Uh, Guys, uh, the final score, a 3-1 loss. Yeah, it it looks pretty poor on paper, but questions for you guys. Despite the disappointments both on and off the pitch, did you think that there were still positives to take away from this performance? Lots of positives. Um, I don't think the first half was that great. I think. Bloom's touched on it. I think a couple of the players touched on it. Uh, I think it took us a while to get into the game, but when we did, we played some really good football, didn't we? And it just goes back to that, those conversations that we've had previously. You cannot at this level rely, or you can't at any level rely on referees getting everything right, linesmen getting everything right. You've got to take it into your own hands sometimes and you've got to finish the chances that you get. And I think 
as much positive stuff as there was going on, you know, there's still that age-old problem of not being able to, uh, not being able to finish and not taking our chances. And, you know, I think at 2-1, you know, that linesman's flag stays down, we score 2-2, we probably come away pretty happy. So it, it, it's very, very fine margins. But I'm not overly concerned that we've we've outplayed them um, at the Valley in pretty much every metric. You know, I'm not a great believer in stats, but every, every single metric suggests that we're all over them. And I think, you know, if you'd have said to us five, six years ago, you're going to be going to the Valley and outplaying Charlton, I think we'd have taken that. The frustrating thing is we're getting ourselves into good positions and we're not taking our chances at the minute. And I think, you know, as much as I sound like a broken record, we've got to start making the most of the opportunities that we create. I think it's exactly that. I think we, we are missing uh, a goal scorer, aren't we? We are missing that, that goal score that we might have had with, uh, you know, back in the years, Jermaine Easter, Miguel D'Souza, Sean Devines. That's, you know, that's that kind of person we're missing that final link. I, I came away from Saturday usually on a on a defeat you're kind of down and you think oh that's not great but I actually came away just think it's a shame but I was actually quite reassured like you know Charlton needed a bit of a break after you know they've got Appleton come in if I think if we played them a couple of weeks sooner we probably would have beaten them but it was literally down to a point where we could have come away with the 2-1 win had we taken our chances well I think the offside decision was an absolute travesty. I think if you look back to last season when they were discussing it in depth with Rashford against Man City um, and how close he was to the ball, I think Dale Taylor was probably further from the ball than Rashford was and that goal was still given. So, you know, dependent on who, you know, who's refereeing the game and, and who the linesman is, I think, you know, you, you just... You, you're just going to be unfortunate, but you think about that and the difference of 40 seconds makes. That's the difference between a game drawn, a game lost, and a game lost. So, you know, some of these decisions will go for us. Some of these decisions will go against us. They went against us against us on Saturday, but I don't think three-one is a reflection of of our, especially our second half performance. I think what reassured me more than anything was the fact that first half we weren't looking great. I think Charlton kind of capitalised a lot, and they probably should have been. You know, a bit more ahead uh, than they were, but I think the fact that we've gone in half time, Blooms has gone right. That's not working. Let's do something else. And they've come out second half all gung ho, uh, proper reassuring. I think this was the game where Freddie Potts came massively into it more so and showed us what he's about. That was really exciting. I think you know he's he he will go far. And just to see Dell Taylor get more minutes on the pitch after I'm not going to count the pizza cup because it's a load of crap. But you know the fact that he's he's got some league league minutes under his uh, under his belt again after that injury at Bristol Rovers is is good. That's that's what we want. We want these players back. Dale Taylor could be that goal scorer if we find out how to supply him better. But you know I was I was more reassured by that second half performance, and I think the fact that social media came away apart from Facebook, which seems to just eat itself. And as soon as we lose a game, it's Bloomfield out. And, you know, we're going down to the National League. You know, apart from that, social media seemed pretty calm on Saturday. So that's a good sign. The second half is the one to take away from Saturday. Uh, first half, apart from the fact that most of the fans, apart from a few hundred, didn't see the first half pretty much. 
whether they were there or not. Second half, I generally was watching it thinking, there's only one team going to win that, and that was us. Until they scored yeah. their second goal, and it felt like a bit of a sucker punch to the gut. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that we have got the goal scorers there, which is not supplying them yet, I don't think, personally. I think but we are I supplying agree. them. I, I don't, not, not as well as we can. We've had, well, how many goals we have from crosses? Not many. Think about I mean, it. There's one the against, majority of the goals have come from uh, have come from Leahy, haven't they? And I think yeah, coming mm-hmm. in from yeah, the centre. But but I think I we're smashing that, the ball in the box. But we're just yeah. But yeah, we're, we we're not to, filling we the box enough, are we? We need to go more through Freddie Potts because I just think he's getting better and better every game. And that some of those balls he was playing, some of those balls he was playing, just to actually elaborate on that, Damer, you, you're right. I think there was a ball in the first half that he put and he just split the defence up completely. Yeah. I thought, oh, bloody hell, we've got a baller here. You know, he's, he's doing something. You know, we've got someone who can pick that out. He's getting Better match fit. That already. You know, and, and he, <laughs> he's getting match fit and he's actually, you know, he's learning where to where he le- where he sits in the team. And it's just working. Mm. Start, seems to be working perfectly. Blue's working delighted. Well, first senior goal uh, for Potts as well. We've talked about him uh, on previous episodes. His stats are looking really good. He's he's off to a flyer, you know, on loan on loan with us for the season. I think expectation has uh, jumped up a couple of notches after that performance on Saturday, right? For him, yeah, and I think the sky's the limit. He's just got he's just got that range of vision that I think, even at a young age that he is, he sees things that. Only the likes of maybe votes can see and things like that because he's played at a higher level. Yeah. Which is maybe a problem because we've had players like that in the past who are too intelligent for the rest of the team. But it's just basically uh, working, on, working on it in training and they're going to have to try and keep up with him as he gets better and better. <laughs> yeah, that's it, isn't it? I mean, you, you've got to look at it as well. If we come off the back of last season, our, our creative outlet, especially when Gaz was there, I think we kind of lost it towards the end, was Lewis Wing. Um, and we thought when he goes, that's our creative outlet gone and we need to replace that. And I think, you know, if you look at Leahy and Potts as it, just as a couple of examples there, you know, I think we've replaced that and um, really from a creative point of view. I think we just need to know, and it is that level of intelligence that you're talking about, Damo, that level of intelligence of how we supply our strikers better. I think we seem to have clicked with something with Hanlon over the last few games where he seems to be, well, we say Hanlon's performances has been better, but actually is that because actually we're supplying Hanlon in the way that he wants to be supplied to. And, you know, he's creating the chances that he is. He just seemed to have a bit between his teeth on Saturday and it was, it was it, you know, it was reassuring. He, he, he put in a real shift. So, you know, it's maybe that intelligence. And we said it's it, potentially that's down to the gelling and getting to know each other and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's It it feels like it's coming together a bit more. I'm more reassured by it. And, you know, from the rumblings that I've been hearing about the fan day as well that, that happened this week, the the attitudes are there that they, they really want to go for it this season. So that's reassuring. Yeah, absolutely. I think... The creativity this season is different, isn't it? Like you say, most of our creativity last season was free wing, who, whilst on his day, was absolutely stunning and had the ability to do the ridiculous things like the goal he scored against Portsmouth and some of the balls into the box that he put in. 
but there wasn't a huge outlet for uh, from him either off the ball or going the other way. And I think when you mm-hmm. look at what <clears throat> Freddie Potts, Lee He, what they bring, uh, and Dale Taylor to a certain extent, you know, if they give the ball away, they're they're like little terriers; they're chasing it back. You know, they've got the ability to to do what we've spoken about before, and that's linking the play between a defence and a midfield, or between the midfield and the attack. The other player that you've got to look at. How wide is young Harry Boys? You know, how many times has he put crosses in or had balls flush, flashing across the box? There's creativity coming from all over the pitch. Um, and, you know, it doesn't have to be one player with a wand of a with a wand of a foot sticking balls onto Vokes' head. There's different ways of being creative. And I think Freddie Potts is, is expressing that. And, you know, I, I genuinely think that Potts will go back to, to West Ham next season and be in their first team. Yeah. I think he, I think he's that good, and it, we've made uh, the assessment before, and it is a, a bit of a lazy one because of the West Ham link. But he is like a, a mini Declan Rice. You know, you feel like he could play in defence quite comfortably. He could play that holding position quite comfortably, but when he's got the freedom to get forward and bring some creativity to the match, he he's got the ability to do that as well. And you know, when he's got that screamer in his locker as well. I think we've got to get him on the ball as much as we possibly can. We've said about how good um, about how good Scowan is playing as an eight. I'm really, really positive about about what's to come, and mm. and yeah, I feel like I feel like there's genuine competition for places now, and you know that they can't afford to rest on their laurels because if they do, somebody else is coming in, and that somebody else is as good as them. Uh, yeah, very positive. I think the thing with Potts that I've noticed is that he just plays with this this calmness that you don't see mm. too too often uh, at this level in, in senior players. He has that ability to read the game. He's a couple of moves ahead. I know that's a cliched term, but that's something that you usually see in players that go on to have elite level careers. And, and you know, I'm in agreement. I think the... The ceiling is quite high for for this kid. Um, But yeah, he just doesn't look flustered, does he? He never looks like he's rushing, you know. And and I do think that we do have the ability to kind of compare. I know we don't have much data, but, you know, he's come to the club uh, at the same time as, you know, young Kean Brecken, who, you know, and I know that they're different ages, you know, people develop at different paces. and, And Kean, you know, is in... Uh, a fantastic academy, Man City. I'm sure he's going to do fantastic himself, but he's obviously going to he's progressing at a different level. But when you know he in the minutes that we've seen him play in the league, he looked like a player that might not be quite ready for you know the regular minutes that that Potts is demonstrating. Uh, if you look at Kean Brecken and you compare it to Freddie Potts, Freddie Potts has had a season where he's played Europa La Conference League football. Uh, points and has been in and around a team that has been playing European football, whereas Kean Brecken hasn't had that exposure to the first team. So even if you're not playing the 90 minutes, you're still learning a lot because you're you're in between you know teams that are. Go, I mean, obviously West Ham that that run last season to win the Conference League was phenomenal from them, really. And when you're playing in and around players like Declan Rice last season and. Jared Bowen and and you know Ben Zou, Ben Rama, sorry. You know you kind of I've mixed up Ben Rama and Zuma. Then that was awful of me. 
<laughs> just come up with an entirely new player off uh, Pro Evolution Soccer. But yeah, uh, you know, when you when you're playing around those kind of players, I think you, it, that's where you, you're going to learn quickly. You look at Phil Foden and the growth of Phil Foden as well. Just touching outside of Wickham there, that's he. You know, he and Jude Bellingham as well. They're ridiculously young ages, but when you're exposed to a team like that, I think maybe Man City. You know, they will produce a lot of gems, but the team, the players that have gone on well from that academy have been those that have kind of been exposed to the first team a bit more. I think Man City's academy is quite separate if you look at it from from the actual first team itself. But if you look at James Trafford as an example, if you look at Phil Foden, players that have come through, that's it's that level of exposure that makes a difference. Another one you could also talk about is when he's, he scored against us in the, in the Cup and he's just gone from Megabucks to Chelsea, Cole Palmer. Yeah. But I wanted to just emphasise a little bit on the Hanlon-Potts relationship. Hanlon's new role looks like he's been given a free reign to go across the pitch wherever he wants to be. And that is opening up more and more options for, for people like Potts and Leahy to play him in. And I, do, I just think it's the most enthusiastic I've ever seen Hanlon look because he looks like he's, you know, he's free to do what he wants to do. And that's when he plays his best. He, he tries to stick him in one role. Yeah, he doesn't like it very much and he drifts a bit. Let him drift, let him go where he wants to be, and he can be a he can be a real force. And as I say, gives options for those creative players to play him in. And I think that that I mean the the goal that we saw him score against Blackpool, he was you know technically out of position for that really because he'd cut in, he was in the middle of the box. So whatever tweaks they're making to the way he plays seems to be working. Obviously, yes, he didn't get on the score sheet on Saturday, but. We need a lot more time, right? We need a lot more data to to determine if if the changes that they've made to his approach are gonna gonna work long term. But yeah, I, I like what I'm seeing. I, I think that he's still got that fire lit under him from the end of the transfer window. How long does that last, though? You don't know, do you? And you've just got to hope that it's kind of given him that jolt to think. Actually, do you know what Wickham do want me here? Whether there was a bid or not, you know, Wickham do want me. The fans do like me. And I think he feels he feels a bit loved now. He feels valued. You know, somebody's come in and potentially bid decent money for him. And we've said, no, we want to keep him. We want to keep our best players. Blooms has, has spoken glowingly about how good he is in training, how good he is around the training room, the changing room, sorry, um, and about his personality, but also about his ability and how his ability really fits the way that Blooms wants to play. And I don't think it's any surprise that as Blooms' ball is progressing, Brandon Hanlon has become a much bigger part of that than perhaps any of us suggested. The thing I was going to say actually on Brecken that you guys were, were just discussing there is, do we think that perhaps the the reason that he's perhaps struggled more than the others that have come in is because of the style of football that Man City want to try and play differs massively to League One men's football. And, you know, the guys come in probably from a from an academy side where playing pretty football is is at the top of the group. And when you're doing that against other 18, 19 year olds, it's, it's really easy. But all of a sudden when you're thrown into men's football with blokes who perhaps aren't honed to play in that way, are bigger than you are harder than you, it's always going to be more difficult to slide in. And I'm just wondering if perhaps the way that city play in the position that he plays in, perhaps it's just conspiring against him a little bit. Well, I think that we see that there's a massive gulf in 
it, they're essentially separate sports, aren't they? I know it's going to sound a bit strange, but we, we we were talking about the Pizza Cup the other day. I mean, did you guys see the um, the Man United under twenty ones got beaten seven one by Bolton second stringers? You know that that's eight one. Eight one, yeah, and yeah. Um, there there were quite some there were, there were some heavy defeats across the board. I think Adam, you pointed that out actually. Um, and and look, there are the, the, these kids. They've they've got serious potential. That's the reason why they're playing for these prestigious academies, these big teams. But there is a massive difference between players that are playing in that Premier League two league and and the realities, the harsh realities of that lower league football. You've got to be realistic with Kean Brecken, though. We've given him one half in the first game when we weren't really gelled as a team anyway. And that's a great that's point, what though. we're basing his performances on. We are a completely different side to when we played Exeter in that first game. And I mean, Exeter let me down on my bloody Dakar last night for two or 300 quid, but less said about that, the better. But they've actually come on to have a semi-decent season, bar that nine-nil drubbing from Reading. So you know we need to give him a bit of a chance. Obviously, I think the benefit that we've got is we've got a young manager that kind of understands the the struggles that a younger player might go through in this modern football era. Because obviously, you know, you think about Gaz. Gaz kind of his younger years were back in the nineties, and that's a completely different outlook and different atmosphere, football and atmosphere than you know, Blooms has had. So give him a chance. You know, I'm sure he'll come into it. And he'll, I, I don't think we can compare him to Potts because I think they're completely different players. But I think, you know, uh, Kian Brecken in time might be might be pretty useful for us. And what we've got to remember is um, when you're talking about a manager that uh, is, you know, a young manager, the club have basically posted this week that he's coming up to his first year as being a manager. I know not, it wasn't all with us and some of the scumbags in Essex. Hey. But, um, yeah, the fact that he's only been in, in the job a year, he's still he's still trying to work out his complete style, I think. And he's brought in a player um, like Brecken because why would you turn down a Man City player, no matter how old they are? But there's the reasons there... There is a transfer window simply because... Some of these players in these youth teams aren't good enough to be moved into the first team. People buy players in. They wouldn't do it if they're all good enough. And Brecken might might be good enough in the future, but I just don't think he is at the moment. I think more than anything, the thing I've really been impressed with with, with Brecken is his attitude. Yeah, obviously I'm lucky gives out uh, gives out sweets to all the players after the game after uh, after little stanley who's done it for years gave up last year so you get to see them kind of on a on a much more personal level um there's been a couple of away games where we've gone where he hasn't even started and you know he's come over and he's had a chat with uh, with little man about man city and about what you have to do to be a footballer and he seems like a really nice kid and you almost like willing him to do well you really want him to do well and he seems to have have come from a massive football club and he's really brought into what we're trying to do very, very quickly. It would be very easy for him to go, well, do you know what, Bollocks Chew, I play for Pep Guardiola, I play for Man City, I'm going to be a professional footballer regardless of how I do here. So I'm just going to be a knobhead. But actually, he is a really good kid as well. And I'm desperate for him to do well. I mean, at the minute, you think if he if he does come on as much as we think he can, with the likes of Scow and Potts, Leahy, 
um, Brecken, David Wheeler, you know, we've all of a sudden got huge competition for those central midfield places and the second half of the season could be really exciting. I know Adam really doesn't like stats, so I'll rattle this one off quickly. But in grassroots football, I read, I think I read something that I think of the 1.5 million footballers that come through in an age group or something like that, it's 0.012 go on to make it in the Football League. So and that's inclusive of academy players. Now there's players in that Man City academy that won't play in in years to come. And I know I was recovering from a four-hour flight last week, which is unfortunately why I couldn't come on. But I wanted uh, wanted to talk about the Pizza Cup because I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that you touched on the eight-one of that you know lost last night from Man, Man United under twenty-ones against Bolton. I think it's an absolute travesty that we've still got teams that are playing in this competition when actually it's an opportunity for League One and two sides to get to Wembley. You've, you know, Adam, you made that point about the fact that a lot of these players are playing against 18, 19 year olds and then they come and play against, you know, big hard men in League One and two. Absolutely going to get knocked down a peg. And it's not even uh, Man United, I think. But Burton beat Everton quite a bit last night as well. You know, it's it, it's a recurring problem. I mean, I know we had a tight game against Crystal Palace, probably one of the better academies in terms of, you know, f- for physicality and things like that. But when are the FA not going to wake up and realise, actually, this is more detriment to the growth of those young players and detriment to the lower league football than, you know, getting rid of them. The attendances will go up. It'll get better. They've obviously not got a sponsor, so Papa John's realises it's a load of shit as well. So, you know, just fix the cup. It's it's not in the right place. It needs to be at the moment. You missed Absolute a round joke. about this last week, didn't you? You wanted in on it. No, I'm sorry, but I wanted in on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to build on that point, Dan, like, like you say, Burton beat Everton 2-0. Northampton drew with Chelsea 2-2. Um, Chelsea then went on to win on penalties. And it's then the first I think Chelsea won in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those <laughs> goals will probably be goal of the season, uh, goal of the month as well because they haven't scored, have they? Barnsley no. beat Man City three one. Bolton beat Man United eight one. What's even more ridiculous is that Man United were playing last night in the League Cup as well. So you're not even going to Man United's under 21s because the better under 21s were playing for the first team last night. Exactly. So all that you're doing is you're putting a load of 12 year olds in to go and play against big arsed, you know, northern footballers who play for Bolton, who have played football for the last 15 years and know all the shit housing tactics of professional football. And it's not doing them any good whatsoever. It's no benefit to Bolton winning eight one. It's no benefit to Man United losing eight uh, one. It it's no benefit to any of the supporters who have wasted hard earned cash and uh, and time going to watch that rubbish. Well, from one rant to potentially another, let's get back to Saturday um, because it, it was a bit turbulent off the pitch as well. We had a number of issues. We had supporters struggling to get to the valley. In time, I know a number of fans actually missed kickoff and and a few actually missed quite a significant portion of the first half, which is a real shame. Wanderers TV had technical difficulties uh, and a number of fans couldn't watch 
any of the action at all. Uh, couldn't even listen to commentary in some instances. Uh, we also had an instance, and the clubs come out on social media to talk about an instance where there was a use of pyrotechnics, uh, something that the club has made their stance on very, very strong. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts on that and uh, the other difficulties that we had on a on a bit of a challenging day in South East London. Uh, yeah, I mean, off the pitch, it was a bit of a disaster, wasn't it? I think there was a... A teenager got punched as well for uh, for what? shouting for shouting Bloomfield out oh, or yeah. something. After the game, yeah, ironic after the game, another, ridiculous. Uh, another fan in quotes. Yeah. yeah, so I'm not. They're not a fan, are they? They're not a fan. I'm sorry. No. If you're going around and hitting people, regardless of age, I mean, even worse that it's a purportedly to be a minor. If you're going around hitting people that you know, supposedly support the same team as you. I just think it's an absolute joke. You're not yeah, there to watch bonkers. football, are you? You're there to just be a knob. Yeah, it's so bonkers. So don't, don't come back, Yeah, basically. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, we've had that. The whole thing with the Blackwall Tunnel, like, I've got split feelings on this, and I think maybe because I've been to Charlton a lot, I might be a little bit more critical. But if you think that going to Charlton via the Blackwall Tunnel is a good idea, you need your head tested. It's a bloody nightmare of a place to drive through 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I would avoid it at all costs. <clears throat> but you know, it it's frustrating. You know, people pay a lot of money for tickets. I saw a couple of uh, a couple of tweets of people who had taken their kids to their first away game, and you know, kids are devastated. You know, I can re- really, really sympathise with that. But at the same time, you know, a lot of this has just got to be basic common sense. Just check your route before you're travelling. Look at if if there's alternative yes. ways of getting there, particularly when you're going to Charlton. And, you know, train. Take, yeah, yeah. Take advantage of public transport. The pyrotechnic things ha- thing has really got up my nose. Anybody who literally, thinks it's a, yeah, yeah, quite literally. Anybody <laughs> who thinks it's a good idea to take a flare or any type of firework into a football stadium has got something a little bit wrong in their brain. I'm sorry, we're not in South America. We're not in Italy. We're not well-renowned for being football hooligans. This is a very, very small minority of moronic teenagers thinking they're hard after having a couple of WKD blues in the pub. If you want to come and watch Wickham Wanderers and you want to support Wickham Wanderers, do it loudly. Do it properly. Don't start filling my son's lungs with shit. Right? I, I, I could not be more angry about this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points at the death. Who doesn't love a last-minute winner. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, I thought it was over. I remember going to a, an away game. Dave, I think you came with us as well at Brentford at Griffin Park. 
yeah probably 15 years ago and some idiot behind us threw a threw a smoke bomb on the pitch or a flare whatever you want to call it and he was manhandled by the stewards thrown out and um and you know i I never saw him do it again and that's the kind of way that you have to treat these idiots if they're going to behave like idiots treat them like it i if i was the club i would be demanding cctv footage and i would be throwing the harshest penalties at these morons that you possibly can get away with yeah i'm I didn't know about the punching at the end of the game. I think that's, I mean, that's really shocking to hear. And, you know, we've, we've talked about our disdain for people that are going to shout things like Bloomfield out. We laugh at them and think they're silly and that's never going to change. What? But I do think that everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone is allowed oh, yeah. to voice their opinion, right? You know, you, you might be unhappy with how the players, how, how the results are on the pitch and you want to voice your opinion. You pay for your ticket. You have the right to say the things that you want to say, but to get punched for that is is really well. It's it's da- we're, you're in dangerous territory, isn't it? Really, and uh, that's that's very very disappointing. And I hope the club yeah. uh, conduct a thorough investigation and find out what's gone on there. Yeah, 100%. But the but but the you know the pyrotechnics in the other hand as well. I just I just really struggle to understand. Like we're you know we're, we're not in Naples. We're in the Chilton Hills. You know we're we're a little family club you know, paint your faces on a Saturday. We'll talk about that in a bit. You know, we're not, you know, we're not a bunch of ultras. It's really strange. And I think Adam, you've mentioned it before, this kind of worrying trend of, you know, young fans kind of gathering in their, their, I'm going to sound really old here, gathering in like their Burberry caps and they're, you know, looking like so solid crew rejects. Uh, Again, another age indicator, but it's it's just a really strange thing. Um, You know, we're, we're not the football factory. We're, you know, sounds industrial estate. We we need to kind of just get with the brand, really, right? I think the problem that you've got is that a lot of these kids aren't Wickham fans. They're not even really football fans. They're going somewhere because they know their parents aren't going to be there. They know that they've got nobody policing them. They turn up wearing their Burberry hats and their Stone Island coats and, you know, drink a couple of pints of shandy and think they can take anybody on. If you think it's acceptable to go to a football match and set fireworks off, is it also acceptable to turn up at a football match and sexually assault somebody? Is it also acceptable to turn up at a football match and physically assault somebody? Is it acceptable to turn up to a football match and run on a pitch and cause the players' safety to be to be compromised? Is it acceptable to set fire to the place? Because all of those things are also criminal offences and using pyrotechnics is a criminal offence. This isn't our football club doing something against the grain and telling our fans to behave in a manner that is expected of them because they're Wiccan fans. This is our football club coming out and having to tell somebody who is so thick that they don't understand that what they're doing is a criminal offence. I do not want my seven-year-old child subjected to that kind of behaviour. Because it is very, very difficult to explain to a seven-year-old why that behaviour is not acceptable and why that person is not being punished for that behaviour. Now, if I had been a Charlton steward, I would have grabbed him by his tiny little private parts, dragged him out of the stadium and kicked 10 bells of I don't know what out of him. Because that is the only way these idiots are going to learn. The football club have got to take a stance against this because we are going down a very, very dangerous road with some of these kids, in inverted commas. Again, that makes me sound old. But 
look, I'm, I'm all for young people being involved in football. You're 16 and 17. I get it. You don't want to be with mum and dad. You want to try and have a sneaky pint. Do it. But just behave in a in a manner that is socially acceptable. And just understand that regardless of whether or not you think it's a serious offence throwing a flare onto the pitch, it is a criminal offence. And regardless of whether you think it's funny or you think it looks cool or you think it makes you a big man, just stop and think. Yeah, the, These young adults, I'm going to stop calling them kids, these young adults just really need to look at themselves in the mirror and say, do you know what? I've got to stop behaving like a knob. And while Adam's covered every section of criminality at a football ground, the one thing he hasn't covered, and one thing I think we all miss, is streaking that we used to have back in the 90s. Oh, no winners. (laughs) Flapping his knob in the wind. (laughs) We'd love it. And we don't have that anymore. We're streaking gone. Look, if you oh, yeah. every now and then you used to get the your your busty lady doing it as well, which made it just even better. <laughs> no, we, we can't we can't do double standards, right? It's just, it's <laughs> equal opportunities, equal punishments, right? So yeah, um, bring back streaking, basically. But <laughs> uh, you, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. I think yeah, it, it just the problem we have, I think, with kids this age is they're essentially bored. And on a Saturday, it's something to show off to your mates. I know, uh, you know, I've got two uh, kids who are kind of heading towards teenagerdom very quickly. And how they are as teenagers is completely different to how my experience was as a teenager. I'd like to say it was recent, but it was about 20 years ago. So, you know, it's a completely different outset. And I think kids have got different challenges these days. Unfortunately, kids nowadays don't get excited by much, are pretty much bored by more things and end up adding, acting a bit like knobs when the they're thing out is, Dan, this, to show off. This is really quick. You know, I've met your kids really, really quickly at Lincoln earlier in the season, and they don't strike me as the kind mm. of kids who think that that would ever be acceptable, whether they're 10, 12, 14, 16, or 18. Right. And I think this just goes down to how they're brought up. It's a much deeper conversation yeah, to have on a different kind of podcast. Much. But, yeah. you know, it's it, it, it is just a society problem, I think. And you've obviously done a good job bringing your kids up, like I think that, well, that I have with mine. But, you know, it's just incomprehensible to me of how a child can think that that's sort of a, an appropriate way to behave and it boils down to education and that's that's the difference so you know we can you know drag drag them out and kick seven bells out of them yeah fine then they might not do it again but to be honest with you the the longer term you know first step wicker we've done is condone it but actually the second step is actually where can we do more with the foundation to actually educate why they shouldn't be doing this and what they actually can do to get the most out of their match day it's far more so, sensible sorry than the sense, Sorry for going down the sensible route rather than let's go beat the shit out of some teenagers. <laughs> sorry. I'm just I'm gonna go on the slightly sensible thing uh, as well. Again, I'm sorry about that. One thing that Adam Cooper, attorney at law, didn't mention is the <laughs> fact that are we gonna wait until someone gets hurt by one of these pyros before we actually do something about it? This is they a point. burn yeah. hot. They they're not they're not just, you know, just lights. It is actual fire involved in that. You put that in someone's face, they're going to do some serious damage. And until that, until that, that message is got across to these young adults, 
Yeah, but I mean, there are no party things that carry on. What do you do? Do you introduce frisking? You know, when when you're entering the ground and, you and, thought, and uh, London ground, you certainly would have had, yeah. had that done already. Yeah, you would. I mean, I, I went to Charlton last season. I got frisked. Why? Why was this? How can this be missed? Yeah, but I think I a lot you... of these. I think a lot of these kids hide these small. I don't know what they are. Fireworks, flares, whatever you want to call them, in places that say where I think would be. not be. Yeah, would not be obvious to being frisked. You'd need a slightly uh, a slightly more thorough search to find where a lot of these children, these people, <laughs> hide. Equals strip search, surely. <laughs> There we go. Well, I think I think we're getting a little bit carried away here. We're, we're now becoming the Policing Network podcast. We need to go back to football. Um, let, let's, let's wrap up Saturday. Look, disappointing win. Looks terrible on paper, but the reality is the I think the performance, uh, at least from what I was able to see, uh, was something that just it was just a bit of a an outlier, a bit of an anomaly. And it looks like we got caught by two really unfortunate goals. Right at the death. So it just, you know, the records show a 3-1 loss, um, but I think there are still positives to take, as we have mentioned. One thing that I do really want to quickly touch on before we start talking about Carlisle, uh, Chem Campbell was the only unused substitute on the Charlton bench. I mean, he had a fantastic few months. Maybe fantastic's overcooking it a bit, but I think he looked good for us in the uh, in the in the second half of last season. Um, and and I think a reason why Charlton was so happy to snap him up was because of his performance against them at the Valley last season. Were you surprised that he wasn't used? No, because Charlton have had a good record of bringing up fast, pacey wingers. Um, if you look last season, they had Raksaki. This season, they've got obviously Miles Lieberman who can play up front, play on the wing. It's got Blackett Taylor. You've got Tyrese Campbell. They're all very, very quality attacking players. It's, it's going to be hard for depth there. Obviously, the start of the season hasn't gone their way, but they've got the ability and the you know I've actually I actually tipped them to go up this season because I thought you know who they've recruited and the fact they're bringing on young players is 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 exciting. I'd, I'd probably still back that because they've made the changes at the right time. I don't think he should be worried. I'm not overly surprised. I thought he was good for us last season, but he's he's got tighter competition there than he did with us. Yeah, 100%. I wasn't necessarily expecting him to be a, a regular starter at the Valley. I'm maybe a bit surprised that he didn't bring him on as a as a second-half substitute, particularly when the game is tight because he's that kind of player who can stretch a game. But like Dan says, I've got so many quick players playing wide or up top that there's a bit more competition for him in in that kind of role. Uh, the other thing is obviously new manager probably wanting to look at all of his squad in match in match conditions. So I'm sure he'll get his chance and uh, and hopefully it goes well for the kid and um and you know he he does well there because I think he's got a lot of potential as we spoke about last season. Yeah. I did, I did wish ill on a player or anything like that and I certainly don't against Jim Campbell but I'm one of the I'm, I'm sure a minority in Adams Park. I didn't actually rate him last season. I think he was that good. Unless there was someone behind him, kicking him up the arse, telling him what to do. Sometimes he just looked lost for me. Um, and then maybe if Afferton in his short time in charge has seen that in training, that's maybe why he didn't get on. 
Family Day returns to Adams Park this weekend as the Blues seek a swift return to the win column against Carlisle United. Paul Simpson's men are back in League One following a 10-year exile, achieving promotion last season via the playoffs. It's been over five years since our last meeting against our opponents, a 4-3 home win that we're still talking about to this day. Do you remember that one, lads? Be with the shot. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be nice to see that again, wouldn't it? Just that level of excitement. Well, Marcus Bean. I don't think it'll be Beano this time. But but no, you know, I think they normally do a really good job of these family days. Um, so I think the crowd will be good. The last one was against Exeter, I think, last season. I know it was kind of April time-ish because Lockie was mascot for his birthday, I think. So... Uh, I think there was sort of six and a half, seven thousand in there. So if we can get a decent crowd in and the game's really exciting, you know, we might pick up a few hundred going into into the next few games, which f- for us look a bit more friendly as far as the opposition's concerned. So, you know, we a good performance on the pitch could turn into something uh, a little bit more positive as well. Um, look, Carlisle, a good manager at this level. Um, they've not had the best of starts. One, one in the last five, or at the last game they lost against Derby. You probably say you'd expect that. It drew with Lincoln, which that was at Lincoln as well, which you'd argue is a pretty good result. Uh, drew with uh, Drew with Stevenage away again at a time where Stevenage were in good form, so not a terrible result. They beaten Shrewsbury at home, lost to Port Vale away, so they've been a little a little bit patchy, maybe you could say. You know, looking through their squad, there's not loads of names that kind of jump out at you and scream that they've got loads of goals. They have kept things quite tight. Uh, they've got Sam Lavelle there, haven't they? Who's, uh, who's a decent centre-back. But even when you look at last season, like I think their two top scorers scored like six goals each or eight goals each or, or something last year. So they're not a side who have, who have scored bucket loads of goals. So yeah, it should be an interesting game. And I think the the family day aspect, I know that some people... Some people smirk at it, but, you know, being a parent of a young kid, uh, they're really good things to have. It, it's almost like the club's way of saying thanks very much for supporting the club to the little ones. You know, they're the fans of tomorrow. They're the uh, the heroes of HP12 presenters in uh, in 30 years' time when we're all too old to understand the technology. And, um, and you know, it, it should absolutely be encouraged. So, um, so, yeah, I would just say, you know, to anybody who's who's perhaps in two minds about going down, get down there, get down there nice and early. Let the kids enjoy themselves, go and pet a pig or whatever it is they're doing and um, and get in the ground early, get the atmosphere building and um, and let's hope for a big performance and a good result. Do we have a petting zoo on family day? Uh, yeah, there's some I sort of... I don't remember one. There's some sort of pig, some sort of pig company coming this year. I'll, whilst you're talking, I shall find out online exactly what it is, and I'll give you a bit more information. So, so, so here's it's um it's Q. There's it's a it's a pig farm outside of Amersham, and uh, I know them because I took uh, Laura there for her birthday literally two weeks ago. It's it's a love they're a lovely group, small business, um, ethically looking after pigs and things like that. It's it's a good trip. This podcast isn't sponsored by them, but hey, you know there we go. 
I hurry and got the hell far barbecue going then. Well, near them. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, 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 it, the thing is, is I wanted to kind of talk about this because I, I, I love me a family day. I think, I think it's great for the kids. But the, the thing is, is do we really need all of the bells and whistles? Do we really need the level of embellishment that you go to Adams Park and you're talk, you know, you're touching little micro pigs? I, I don't know. And, and, and this might be me just being, me and, and you know my my introduction to football was going to the football and falling in love with football and Wiccan Wanderers because you're at the football. Do we really think that? I mean, it's it's a nice distraction, right? It's nice to go to Adams Park and ha- make a day of it. But I do question really if going and stroking a pig is really going to turn you into an ardent Wiccan fan. Well, I I would argue strongly that stroking a pig will turn you into an ardent Wiccan fan. Absolutely, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I I actually really want to touch on this because this is it's not being my bonnet, but personally, you look at it from the experience of obviously you know if you if you look at Lockie for example Adam you know he comes to the games he's in love with Wickham he's going to be coming to every game that's just because he's it's ingrained in him now. But if you look at the fair weather supporters and you look at the kids that are potentially going for the first time because, you know, the, the, the family day is a good opportunity to get the kids down. You come down for that game and you've got like a fairground, you've got pigs you can touch, you've got all this different stuff that you can do during the day. You go, that was amazing. I want to come back. You come back again to the next game. And it's not there. And, and there's nothing there apart from the beer tent and a couple of fans outside. And you're like, oh, that's not the experience I had before. So it's great that we're going all out for the family day out, but there are cost-effective ways. And it, it, you know, I know if we can do it for this family day, I'm pretty sure we can u- utilize the car parking space at the bottom a bit more efficiently. But having a, a couple of little bits to keep kids entertained and keep the dwell time of the fans down actually at the park a bit longer. Uh, considering we're at the back end of an industrial state, might be a smarter move um, and actually probably ends up with further quids in the pocket for, for Wickham as a whole. My biggest gripe about Family Day is that they never seem to capitalise on that added attendance and building on that and retaining that going forward because I don't feel there's enough feedback in terms of surveys from you know from families going you know, did you enjoy that? What do you feel we could do better? What would you like to see? What would keep you coming back to actually build up that audience? And that's that's kind of the little cog that I feel like we're missing or we're not necessarily seeing that, that could potentially turn a 5,000 attendance into six or seven. So, you know, they are good marketing initiatives, these family days, but they need to do more in order to make the most of it. More consistent. Yeah, Absolutely. I'd, I'd agree. Um, I'll break it down. I've got a couple of points. First one is, I think the activities that they're putting on a cracking idea for a game where there wouldn't normally have been a really big crowd. And let's be completely honest, if this was Oxford at home, they wouldn't have yeah. micro pigs outside and, you know, be giving away face paint and God knows what else because they know that they'll fill the uh, fill the stadium with people paying proper proper ticket yeah. prices like you, Michael, and Damo. And, and I expect you, Dan, you know, brought up on the terrace when you're allowed to stand on the terrace as a kid 
Um, you went to football to watch the football. You didn't have your head in your dad's phone because your dad didn't have a phone. You know, you found you found out the football scores by either listening to the tannoy or watching somebody walk around the pitch with a blackboard. You know, it. I'm not quite that old. Yes, <laughs> society society is different now, and kids have got to be have got to feel like they're amused. And I think what these families days do is they do get a good number of people through the door. Touching on a point that Dan said there, you know, this is the absolute perfect opportunity to have some players or, you know, Rob Pete and Missy or whoever it might be walking around with clipboards, signing people up to a subscription season ticket. Because these kind of fair weathers who might come to four or five games who look at it and think, Jesus Christ, you know, one game of football is going to cost me £25. That's a lot of money. Probably don't realise that for 30 quid or £34, I think I pay for Lockie on the halfway line and a family stand, you know, two people can come and watch professional football and watch every single league game. And I don't think that they push it enough. There doesn't seem to be enough data collection or enough of that after work done to sign these people who might come to three or four games up to people who actually might come to 10 or 15 games. I think that's something that they really need to look at. Something that I have noticed more, and obviously this is the sort of thing you look at when you've got small kids, but when you go to away grounds, most of these away grounds now don't only have a fans village, but they have a kids area or a kids village as well. You know, they've got the club mascot. What the hell's happened to Bluey? Uh, no, no, it's not even Bluey, is it? Bodger. What the hell's happened to Bodger? You know, I told Lockie three years ago he had long COVID and he hasn't come back. <laughs> you know, I, I genuinely don't know where Bodger's gone. How, how much would it cost to get somebody inside Bodger? Uh, uh, what? <laughs> Careful, mate. Careful. I'm glad we've got context for that one. <laughs> <laughs> how much would it cost to dress somebody up as Bodger? To, you know, create a little three or four aside football pitch, you know, to to blow the inflatable penalty shootout up, to put some proper bloody food in the family stand. You know, all of these families are going to be descending on the family stand, which is nearly sold out, by the way, for Saturday, which is a great job. Mm. They're going to go inside the stadium and find out that they've got to feed their six-year-old kids pie, mash and gravy out of a cardboard container with wooden cutlery. It is not going to work. Bring back chips. Yeah, the club. You've got them in the Frank thing, Adams. Yeah, the thing is, like Damos, it's literally above us, and he can get chips. So I'm sure the time is going to come where I'm saying to him, "Can you get some chips and chuck them down?" Because you know, I'm sick and I'm sick and tired of Lockie spilling braised <laughs> steak pile down his brand new whipping chair. You know, it, it it it's just mental. They've started really well, and these family days are are really positive, but they need to apply some common sense to the family offering. They really do. It, it needs somebody down there, even if it's somebody voluntarily who is just sorting out what they're going to put on for the kids of a weekend. And, you know, if it takes half an hour um, for somebody to set something up before everybody arrives and it's relatively low maintenance, then what's the problem with that? You know, I, I'm, I'm chairman of a youth football club. Um, I am all for kids of all ages, both boys and girls, getting involved with football and learning to enjoy football. But you've got to keep them involved in football. It's all very well doing this, you know, once every six months and going, oh, that was very nice. There was 8,000 people at that game. 
but actually being able to to maintain those gates and to win new fans is something that we haven't been very good at. And I think they've got to look at the offering for children as a whole and work out what they're going to do about it. And, you know, I've, I've made various comments down there and are perfectly happy to engage with the club about my thoughts with, you know, obviously take Lockie to 90% of the away games. You know, we go to some of the England games, we go to some of the um, the occasional, very occasional Premier League game as well. Um, and, you know, to share some of what I've seen and what I think is a good idea and, you know, what parents think is a good idea. Because there's an awful lot that they could do for not a lot of money that would really encourage parents to bring their kids back. And we've got to go back. We are a family club, but, you know, we haven't got a bodger or a bluey walking around the pitch at half time. We haven't got kids on the pitch at half time taking penalties. And these are things that we really should be pushing hard. One, because it will encourage people to come back. And two, because they're income generators. People are going to come earlier and stay later. Um, if they know their kids are going to be fed, watered and happy. If you're thinking to yourself, God, I've got to feed my kid. You know, I don't want them sat in the stadium being bored. So I'm going to get there at five to three and I'm going to leave 10 minutes before the final whistle. So we're not sat in the car for an hour to get out of the stadium. You're losing all of the extra income that those supporters are going to bring. Put on a decent show for everybody at every single home game. And, I'm, you know, these, these things are fine. Do one of these once a quarter. That's great but put on a better showing at a normal game. And I think you'll find that that will actually encourage more fans back continuously rather than these sort of fair weathers who just come because they can pet a pig, have their face paint, have their face painted and bounce on a bouncy castle. One thing we all seem to have overlooked, and I think it's an integral part is if the players don't put the performance in on the pitch, they won't come back. There's also mm. there's there's you can do all you, all you want to do outside the ground and that's great that's like a fairground. They they're coming to watch the football and if the football's rubbish, the thing is kids don't care. They're not about going to that. come back. Kids don't care no, about it's, that. It's back to going out. Some of the parents yeah. will. Yeah, kids can give them The other thing about that is I remember when, back in the day when I was a kid when in the black and white days they used to have quit a kid. You mm. almost be able to religiously chalk that down as a loss because we lost every game they did quit a kid at. <laughs> but don't I just get think, me started on quit a kid uh, quit a kid yeah bury away I'll just say I'll, I'll leave that there shall don't. I? it's a painful memory oh <laughs> uh, yeah so basically we've got to you got to make sure the players are up for it as well I know we're playing someone like Carlisle I said why don't we do this against a team like Oxford I know you're going to get a lot of people there but it'll be a good game Saturday, Carlisle comes with a draw on Saturday, I guarantee it. Well, let's, um, let's steer us back onto the pitch then and away from the pens. Um, predictions. Uh, what can we take from last weekend and pour into this weekend to ensure that we get the result? And most importantly, what do we reckon the result's going to be? Is it going to be beautiful football or is it going to be pig ugly? Oh. oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Oh, that's just... Uh, uh, you had me up now, you had me up. <laughs> he's, he's been well, sitting for, on that one, hasn't he? Yeah. For the first time in seven years, Lockie has actually come out with a sensible score suggestion this weekend. Mm. So I am going to uh, to go with Lockie. 2-1 Wickham, Joe Lowe and Luke Leahy. It's not bad, that. I, I think we need to win. 
well, I'd like us to win because I think it keeps us kind of in and around that playoff talk. I think it'll probably be tight. I'm going to say 1-0 or 2-0. If we play like we did against Blackpool, then, yeah, we'll be absolutely fine. I'm going to back us to put on a show. 3-0, Vokes, Potts and Hanlon. Oh, beautiful, beautiful stuff. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a very squeaky one nil, and uh, I'm going to. Yeah, I reckon Hanlon. I reckon he's got one in him, and he's going to continue his fine run of form. But I think it might be another one of those uh, stressful three o'clock games. But uh, whatever happens, the kids are going to have a good time. One for the families. Uh, hope you can make it, Adams Park. Uh, cheers, guys. Pleasure as always. And that will do it for this week. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP12. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Spotify. And if you're loving the podcast, help us out by leaving a five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at DanClarkPR, and Damien at Damo1507. If you're nice to him, he might throw you some chips. We'll be back next week with more discussion on all things Chairboys. Until then, stay well and come on, you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.